Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, July 8th. Had I told you before the start of the 2021 Wimbledon that top seed Ashley Barty was going to end up in your ladies' singles final, you probably wouldn't have pushed back. You would have said, okay, she's healthier than we thought she might be. She used that month between the start of Wimbledon and the end of the French Open to recover, and although she didn't play any warm-up events. She's a player whose game fits like a hand in a glove on a grass court, and clearly she would have had time to have found her rhythm in her first six matches leading up to the final. That's exactly what happened for Ashley Barty, as ultimately today she earns her most impressive victory of the Fortnite straight set win over Angelique Kerber, of course, on the flip side, had I told you that Caroline Pliskova was going to make this women's singles final, you would have laughed at me. You would have said, Alex, there is no way Pliskova, after all of her struggles here in 2021, after seemingly having a five-year window between 2015-2019 to capture her first Grand Slam singles title, you're telling me Carolina Pliskova is winning or making her first Wimbledon final now in 2021 after the year she's had after she dropped out of the top 10 for the first time in five years before this event well guess what folks it's 2021 it's the WTA tour unexpected results are the norm not an outlier and that is exactly what happened here at Wimbledon as Pliskova earns a fantastic three-set win over Arena Sabalenka served about as well as you could ask out of Carolina Pliskova and now again Barty Pliskova, your 2021 Wimbledon final on today's podcast. I'll talk about how we got there. I also want to break down tomorrow's men's singles semifinals because certainly while we haven't talked much Novak Djokovic on this podcast, he's made his run to the semifinals look so easy. He's got his toughest uh, test to date in Denis Shapovalov, the young Canadian, making his first career Grand Slam singles semifinal on the other side of the draw. Fascinating match. Two players who love to get to the net, whose attacking, aggressive game styles work very well on this grass court surface. Of course, I'm talking about Matteo Berrettini and Hubi Hercats, two six foot six, big serving, aggressive players going head to head in both of their first career Wimbledon semifinals, first career major semifinal for Hubi Hercats. Again, I want to talk about the tactics to expect in those matches, the results I expect to see unfold, of course, if you want to hear 
here my picks for day 11. I believe that's what we're at now of this 2021 Wimbledon. You can hop on over to the Great Shout Podcast, GSP Aces of the Day, rocking and rolling. I believe we're 21-18-2, up 7.3-ish units through the first 10 days. So again, the guaranteed was to end the, the tournament in the positives. Unless I really, really screw it up from here, I think we are going to do so. So you can find all of those picks there. And if you've missed any of the action, you can catch up on it all on our website, crackrackets.com. But of course, before we get into today's recap podcast, and it's just going to be me steering the ship, I do want to remind all of you listeners that the reason we're able to do this day in, day out, cover each day of this 2021 Wimbledon is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course, from our friends over at Tennis Point. Summertime, update your equipment, get the best gear at the best prices, tennis-point.com. You use our promo code CR15, you'll get 15% off your order, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. It's tennis-point, the symbol, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, let's talk about these women's semifinal matches. And yes, it hurts my soul just a little bit to bring up. At the same time, listeners of this podcast will know, I've been on the Carolina Pliskova bandwagon probably since this podcast started all the way back in 2017. And you look for Carolina Pliskova, the course of her career, so much success for the 29-year-old who was ranked number one in the world back in 2017. She reached that number one in the world ranking on the back of so many impressive performances. You look for her that season. It was quarterfinals of Australia, semifinals of the French Open, quarterfinals of of the U.S. Open. Of course, she had made the finals of the U.S. Open the year prior, so that gave her that boost in the ranking. It was a three-set loss in that U.S. Open final for her to Angelique Kerber. Uh, You look for her since subsequently she made the semifinals of Australia 2019, a couple of other quarterfinals in Australia and the U.S. Open. Two fourth rounds in Wimbledon in 2018 and 19. Those were her two best results, and, you know, Tumani Cariel pointed this out. Her results at Wimbledon, first round, second round, second round, second round, second round, fourth round, fourth round. Now she's made the final here. But of course, more broadly for Karolina Pliskova, she was, again, someone who was inside the top 10 for five consecutive seasons and was consistently ripping off, you know, winning two-thirds to 75% of her matches. She's won a title every year between 2013 and here in 2021, where she's yet to win a title. So she's won a, a title in every season since 2013. She's earned multiple top 10 wins in her career. She's won multiple WTA 1000 level titles in Cincy 2016 at the Italian Open Rome 2019. Of course, she's made the Rome final in three consecutive seasons, 16 titles overall in her career. Again, in terms of the top 10 wins she's earned in her career. I mean, she's had multiple ones. I'm I'm looking here. I don't want to give you an incorrect number. 32 In her career, she's had one in every season since 2014. That number peaked at eight in 2017. That was the year, of course, she reached that world number one ranking. It's a borderline Hall of Fame case for Karolina Pliskova. And what are the qualifications to get into the Tennis Hall of Fame? It is such an arbitrary, sticky conversation. One, you can have a conversation with, you know, 10 different journalists, 10 different players, 10 different people who follow tennis and say, what does it mean to you to get into the Tennis Hall of Fame? You will hear 30 different things from those 30 different people. 
But by a lot of metrics, Karolina Pliskova qualifies to at the very least be in that conversation. Again, she was someone who had a lot of hype, a lot of pressure. She was a junior, I believe, if not slam champion, a junior slam finalist. And she's delivered on those expectations with everything but a grand slam title. And let's be clear. 2021 was a struggle for Karolina Pliskova coming into this Wimbledon. You look at her numbers prior to the event. She was 21-17 and 17 in her last 52 weeks. You look at the advanced metrics. Her first serve percentage at its lowest point since, I believe, the 2000, funny enough, 2017 season. But, you know, it was, she's currently above her career average, but 61.8% against lowest since 2017. She's winning 67% of her first serves. That's her lowest number since the 2012 season that was before her first breakthrough she's winning 42.3% of her first serves again lowest since 2012 she's winning 42.5% of her return points which is about her career average and that's the good thing now the total points one look bad and that's the drop in the serve but the problem for Pliskova her game has always been predicated on that serve right power tennis and the ability to play plus one and the ability to dictate and then you know the comfort level in hold percentage she's been someone who's constantly over that you know, she's over 75% of her career. She's usually a top 10, top 5 server amongst the, uh, the WTA Tour. She hasn't been that this season. You look at the advanced metrics for Karolina Pliskova. Again, in terms of 2021 ELO ranking, Pliskova, uh, not just outside the top 10, but she's ranked number 41 with her results coming into this event. And you look for her again in terms of hold percentage, break percentage, Karolina Pliskova, uh, I believe 24th in hold percentage. That's significantly low than she's accustomed to being. And you look at the return percentage, you know, she's never been a top 10 returner, but she's currently ranked 40th. That's lower than where you expect her to be. That's lower than where her career average is, particularly during the prime of her career. And again, she's 29 years old, so late prime, but still in that prime of her career. It's clear, though, that, you know, the numbers would have suggested that prime is coming to an end. And yet, you look at her run here through Wimbledon, This was the first seed she faced in Sabalenka. It's also the first set she's dropped in the tournament. She beats Zedantic, Vekic, Martin Sova in straight sets. She beats a very much in-form Ludmilla Samsonova in the round of 16, 2 and 3. Just absorbed that first strike so well. Put enough pace and depth on that ball that it drew the error. And then her power tennis overwhelms Victoria Golovic. And here today, in her 3-set 5-7-6-4-6-4 win over Arena Sabalenka, not only did she match the power tennis, of Sabalenka, she exceeded it over the course of the match. You look at the percentages for her, the key number, again, last 52 weeks, she's made 62% of her first serve. She'd made 65% of them today. She's won 68% of her first serve points. Today, she was 42 of 54, won 78% of them. She won 69% of her second serve points, fought off, uh, I believe, or only faced one break point in the match. Now, Sabalenka capitalized it on the, in the first set, but, you know, did not face a break point in sets two and three and 32 winners against 17 unforced errors 14 aces against four double faults Pliskova was excellent on serve today and look Sabalenka likes to take big cuts at the return of serve but she's got a powerful first step she's 5'10 5'11 good length on the return as well she gets a racket on a lot of shots but didn't matter Pliskova, due side, her out wide serve today was fantastic. And her ability to both hit the slider down the tee on the ad side, but both flat serve into the body of Sabalenka. She just had Sabalenka thinking on the return, constantly changing her return positions. And look, Sabalenka did not return 
at her best level today. But you look at the numbers for Sabalenka. She matched Pliskova serve for serve throughout the course of this match. Fought off eight of the ten break points she faced. Again, she was only broken once in in sets two and three. Now it was two times in the match. That's one more break than she accumulated. But there were three breaks of serve, one per set in this match. That's about as clean of tennis as you're going to find. 18 aces against four double faults for Sabalenka. She made 67% uh, of her first serves, won 75% of those first serve points. Again, normally that's good enough for Arena Sabalenka, but Pliskova was that good today. And she took advantage whenever she got a look at a second serve, taking that ball early down the line, cross court, just getting focused more on depth than location, deep at the feet of Sabalenka, so that she could attack that second ball and play on her terms. And I really do think for someone who does not is not well-known, we'll say, for their movement skills. Pliskova's looked really, really comfortable on these grass courts, and that's where her experience advantage comes in. You look for Karolina Pliskova in her career, 61-27 and 27 on grass courts, a 69% win percentage, the highest on any surface in her career. She's played more than 80 matches on a grass court, and you know that's significantly more than Sabalenka, who you look in her career, she's played, well, Sabalenka, oh, no, excuse me, that's Ashley Barney I'm looking at. Sabalenka's played fewer than 50. And so, you know, again, for Karolina Pliskova, that experience showed itself. And it's so interesting because I won't deny it after having so much faith because that serve, the power tennis she can play, her anticipation skills, her racket talent, her ability to hit these swinging volleys, these half volleys as ground strokes from the baseline, her ability to scoop and redirect. And just, again, when she gets her racket on the ball, she's doing something special with it. Now it may hit the back tarp every third shot sometimes, but she's doing something that's still special. Um, Carolina Pliskova's had incredible racket talent and just belongs on a tennis court. And, you know, again, it felt like 2017, 2018, 2019, when Halep had yet to really assert herself. Although then once Halep did, that was a big competitor for Carolina Pliskova. And Kvitova's level would rise and then fall. And Kerber's level would rise and then fall. And through it all, there was always Halep and there was always Pliskova. And it felt like Pliskova, who was a number one seed at a couple of slams, who has made countless fourth rounds at slams. She was always in the mix, but unfortunately, that pressure just seemed to, you know, there was always so many expectations weighted on her shoulders. And, you know, unfortunately, she just wasn't able to get over the finish line. And the, the poetry of the moment the expectations are lifted, the moment people aren't talking about her as a contender, she makes the final here, her second Grand Slam final of her career. There's beauty in that. That's the wonders of tennis. And again, Sabalenka was excellent today. Uh, it, but it, uh, you look at the numbers even beyond just what she was able to do on serve, 38 winners against 20 unforced errors. She was able to keep stride with Pliskova, but the key was Pliskova never wavered. She never broke her stride, and she had a bunch of breakpoint opportunities in set number one, wasn't able to capitalize on them. And rather than get down on herself as she may have earlier in her career, she didn't. She stayed the course. She stayed aggressive. And again, her ability to absorb pace, redirect it down the line, beat you to the spot, take advantage of open space. She's a comfortable volleyer. I think she's getting low for these shots better than she has earlier in her career. Credit to coach Sasha Bajin, the, the entire Pliskova team for the work they've done in just staying steady because, again, 21-17 and 17 
coming into this event. She's now won six matches in a row here, only dropped one set. She's, you know, winning about 70 to 75% of her first serve points per match. She's serving exceptionally well, and that's where it all starts for Pliskova. And look, we'll talk about the matchup, her and Barty, on tomorrow's podcast, but she's got the weapons to make Barty think. And there's a reason you look in their career. Yes, Ashley Barty 5-2 and two against Carolina Pliskova, but four of the seven matches have gone three sets. The other one, a six and six result. The other one, a four and four. The other one, a six and three. Like, whenever they play, it's close because Pliskova's got the power and when she's landing first serves, it'll give the Barty backhand troubles. And Pliskova will have opportunities to play plus one tennis and dictate and be on her terms. And she'll take big cuts at the Barty second serve. Now, again, Ashley Barty's first serve, her forehand, as big as anything Carolina Pliskova can do. And from an athletic standpoint, Barty's going to be able to exceed Pliskova and make the match physical. There's no denying that. And her slice, when she has opportunities to hit it comfortably, it'll get Pliskova out of her strike zone. That's what makes that matchup so fascinating. That's why they've played so many close matches over the course of their career. They played earlier this season, and Stuttgart on clay was a 2-6-6-1-7-5 win for Barty, and you'd think clay, that's although indoor clay, so you know that's maybe a surface that you suppose is somewhat neutral, but... It was a really good match, and, you know, again, these two play good tennis. Carolina Pliskova is playing her best tennis, and generational shifts is something I've talked about all tournament long, all season long. Since the foundation of this podcast, we've been waiting for the generational shifts on both the men's and women's tours, and in the women's tour, it's a little bit more pronounced because Kenan, Andrescu, Osaka, Sviantek, they've won Grand Slams, but when you're in the midst of a generational shift, there are openings that happen. You look anywhere across the board. I mean, regardless of sports, when you have, you know, people aging out, it's interesting because, you know, again, LeBron James has shown what a sustained prime can look like forever, but uh, his team gets eliminated this year and it's a wide open NBA playoffs, right? And now Chris Paul, who his whole career never made an NBA finals. And despite, in my opinion, and the advanced metrics suggest as much, and you watch him play the point guard position, you're just like, that's how you're supposed to play it. You, A, every pass, if you want the alley-oop on a pick and roll, the alley-oop is there for you, and you're able to bait that defender into either, you know, hedging on your, because you're mid-range. I'm I'm not going to get into the efficacy of Chris Paul as point guard and the effectiveness, but point being, LeBron gets eliminated, is whatever. Uh, there's a weird opening. Chris Paul able to capitalize on it. You look for Alexander Ovechkin, and I know hockey, not a big thing. All right, at least I don't follow it as closely. It's, it was a weird time. No definitive young stars had seized hold. He's able to sneak in his first Stanley Cup. And you just look, you know, Brady sneaks in another uh, another Super Bowl, though that's a little bit different because he's the GOAT. And, you know, Mahomes, I suppose, has sort of... Mahomes is in that Osaka stage where we all know he's going to be really, 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 really good, but... They haven't quite cracked that formula for year after year after year after year after year routine success. And so Brady's able to sneak in another Super Bowl. And you just look in here, and that was not my best analogy work. I apologize for that. But the point being, there are windows of opportunity because there's no solidified dominant, you have to beat this player, otherwise you're not winning the title sort of player right now in women's tennis. Maybe Osaka on hard courts, but we're not on hard courts. We're at uh, Wimbledon. And maybe Ashley Barty is that player here at Wimbledon moving forward. But coming into this event, we didn't know that. And certainly there is no solidified player two who is like, all right, it's Barty and 
And, and it's not even – again, the, it's a credit to Carolina Pliskova for making the most of the window because there was so much uncertainty. She took advantage of a draw with all the seeds falling around her. She ends up not dropping a set until she faces a fellow seed, the number two seed. And again, she's broken once in the match in the first set. She earns a three-set victory. Carolina Pliskova into her second Grand Slam final, one of the best stories of this 2021 Wimbledon. Fantastic performance from her. And, you know, again, for Arena Sabalenka, 51 and 16 now in her last 52. 14 of those 16 have been losses in three sets. And she's won, I believe, four titles. She's made five finals. She now has a Grand Slam semifinal under her belt. She's going to rise to number three, I believe, in the rankings with this result. It's where she belongs. 23-year-olds entering the prime of her career, and that prime, that ceiling, is Grand Slam champion height. Uh, She's really, really good. That's not a new thought to any of you podcast listeners from me, uh, but I think she solidified herself. Again, developing plans B, C, and D. She's got the talent to do all sorts of things. It's about ensuring that when the, the power tennis isn't working, that B, C, and D work a little bit better than they do now, but she's only 23, and she just turned 23. The best tennis is ahead, and her best already is really damn good, so fantastic Grand Slam for her. She got the big no quarterfinals monkey off of her back, and now, uh, again, summer hard courts, very, very good potential season for Arena Sabalenka. But the story here, Karolina Pliskova, 5-7-6-4-6-4, was a serve fest, but ultimately she advances. Who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. And now she's got a matchup with the number one player in the world in Ashley Barty, who makes her second Grand Slam final as well. And, you know, there was this interesting trend. It was like uh, 2018 French Open finalist wins 2019 Wimbledon in Simona Halep. And, uh, and you know, I think that happened 2017, something similar as well. In 20, it was Muguruza, I believe, who did it in 2016, Kerber, and yada, 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 that she made a deep run. And, you know, the funniness of that. And, you know, this year, Ashley Barty is the one who makes the deep run. So she going to end up in the winner's circle? If Ashley Barty makes it in the winner's circle, it will have nothing to do with that funky trend. It will simply be because Ashley Barty is the best player in the world right now. And just physically, the level she has hit is different 
than everyone else. Her ability, you know, again, because Angelique Kerber prides herself on her physicality, and in particular on these grass courts, her ability to take the ball early, change directions, keep you uncomfortable, keep you on the move. It's made every opponent she faced in her 10-match win streak leading into this Wimbledon semifinal, it's made every opponent she's faced uncomfortable. And yet, Ashley Barty was not uncomfortable. Ashley Barty was able to hit through that change of direction, and then the moment a creak or a crack in the in the uh, in the Angelique Kerber game opened, she took advantage of it. She attacked, and you look for Ashley Barty in this match: thirty-eight winners against sixteen unforced errors. She won eighty-eight percent, thirty-six of forty-one on her first serve points. She faced uh, she she was two of five on break points, fought off five of the six break points she faced. So again, only broke. Once she got the two breaks she needed, one in the first set, she got it in the very first Kerber service game. Kerber just a couple of unforced errors came out and played a tentative first game. Barty able to hit some big forehands, find some big forehands that mixed in with a couple of unforced errors, and then. Look, Kerber had her shot. 5-3 first set, love uh, love 30 in the game. Barty hits a big first serve. Barty hits an, uh, Kerber gives an unforced error back to Barty for 30 all. Then Barty, rare double fault for 30-40. Kerber has her break point chance, but... Big first serve, big forehand from Barty to fight off that break point. Then another big first serve leads to a, a backhand error from Kerber. Big first serve ace to seal the set, 6-3. You know, again, Barty's serve, her forehand, were the biggest weapons on the court. And then Kerber's biggest weapon, her physicality, Barty could match. And look... Kerber still had success moving the ball around the court. She was able to find that Barty backhand, and whenever Barty threw a slice, her footwork's so aggressive and so precise that she does have you on a string, move you side to side, keep you on your toes, guessing which way she's going to go next. But, you know, to generate that sort of pace for Barty, uh, for Kerber over the course of the two hours they were on court was just more difficult than it was for Barty to do, or the hour and a half they were on court. And you look for Kerber, 16 winners against 23 unforced errors. She had to play with more aggression. You could tell midway through that first set, she was like, what am I doing? This I'm playing the number one player in the world. I'm way too tentative. And she started going for a little bit more. And that is why her error count was higher than her winner count. But you have to play with that aggression when you're playing Ashley Barty. And that's what makes Pliskova as a matchup so interesting is Pliskova inherently does play with that aggression. But, you know, for Kerber... Uh, she did have success finding the Barty backhand, moving Barty around the court. She goes up a break in the second set. She had her opportunities to close out the set, but, you know, again, the Kerber serve, and she only made 55% of her first serves, and she wins over 57% of both her first and second serve points. Is only broken twice in the match, but it just felt like Barty was in every rally. Barty had the shot to break Kerber whenever she really wanted to lock in, focus, and do so. Even when Kerber was up that break in the second set, she never able to really seize holding Cruz, right? Never got that double break lead that you so often do when you're on your run in one of these matches. And then you know, Barty raced at, what was it, a five-love lead in that second set tiebreak on the back of making a bunch of first serves and finding that first forehand. She was 10 of 14 at the net in this match as well. Just super, super efficient. And again, this was the best match she's played of the tournament. I know straight set wins for her in every match, but Carla Suarez Navarro, and you know she earned a comfortable win over Tomjanovic in the quarterfinals, but this was her toughest test to date, and she passed it with flying colors. And just, again, that serve, that forehand, 
her willingness to be aggressive, her ability to move, change directions, recover in the outer thirds on this surface. It's like she's playing in cleats. It's a joke. And she's super, super special athlete. You know, that backhand slice, she gets good depth with it. It's knife through the court as well. And then she can swing through that side a little bit better than you expect. Her ability to find forehands on the return, so good. And then her willingness and ability to hit through a court, cross court with a forehand, it's a special, special trait, especially the the cut and the knifing of that ball through the court. It's not just a flat power shot. It really, really cuts through these courts with angle and with heaviness and Look, there's a reason Ashley Barty's number one in the world, and I know this is only, what, her second career Grand Slam final, but you look for Ashley Barty, who's obviously 34-6 and six in her last 52. She's now 53-15 and 15 on grass courts. That's a 78% win percentage, but by the way, She's won 73% of her matches in her career, 75% on hard court, 68, uh, 66% on clay, 78% on grass. It's a joke. And she's winning 85% of her matches right now in her last 52. That, as I've said on multiple podcasts, is the sort of number you hit and the sort of title. She's won three this year, a Grand Slam title. You throw that in the mix as well. Her and Mukova, the only players to make multiple quarterfinals at slams. It's the sort of resume you put together when you're in the midst of a prime of one of those careers that defines find an era of the WTA Tour, and that is why commentators, despite her one Grand Slam title, speak of her the way that we all do, is because if you look at the numbers, you look at the eye test, when she's healthy and playing her best tennis, we saw it in 2019, we've seen it immediately here in 2021, she can be that dominant force, that figure that everyone's chasing week in, week out, surface in, surface out on the WTA Tour. She's the one player of all of these fantastic young talents, including Osaka, including Andrescu. She's the one who's done it, including Kennan and Sviantec. Sviantec's close, but Barty's asserted herself. And she's into a Grand Slam final here. Again, you look at her Grand Slam results over the uh, the past few seasons. She's gone, what, since that breakthrough quarterfinal in Australia, 2019. She then wins French Open, round of 16 Wimbledon, round of 16 U.S. Open, semifinals Australia, 2020, sem- uh, quarterfinals this year, pulls out of Roland Garros, but now finals here Wimbledon. When she's healthy, she's into the second week. And as we've seen, even more than that, usually. Ashley Barty, a fantastic match. And again, this this was such a good run for Angelique Kerber. Ten match win streak, semifinals of Wimbledon. She shows she still belongs, particularly at this surface, in the discussion of best of the best in the women's game, and she's re-solidified her spot inside the top 30 as well. You look for Angelique Kerber with this result. Uh, she, I believe now she is back up to number 22 in the rankings, but Barty's number one. She's a heavy favorite. And, you know, she wins this event tomorrow. She's going to be number one for a while. She'll probably hit that 100-week threshold, and I saw this as a tweet. I think she'd be the eighth women's player to do it in history. Like, yeah, that's why, in a nutshell. And I know those numbers skewed by the rankings protections. That's the obvious counter, but, again, that's why. And so, you know, fantastic, fantastic result for her. She finally plays her best match right as we're nearing the finals. And, you know, again, it's a great result for Kerber. Uh, but Ashley Barty back where she belongs into a Grand Slam sem- uh, into a Grand Slam final. And you know what? I'm not going to give away the odds yet because we may play a little game of guess the odds and I'll talk about them more. I do on today's GSP Ace of the Day. But, you know, I guess in that case, Barty minus 270, two-star Pliskova plus 205. You'd expect Barty to be that sort of favorite. And we've got some futures bets on her as well. So certainly uh, we're feeling good there, but Ashley Barty has to be feeling good about her result straight set win for her 
into the Wimbledon final. And speaking of feeling good, you know what you're going to feel good about? Investing in yourself. And I know it's a weird topic to talk about, but look, we all want to look good when we go out into the public. And we've forgotten what that means after a year in our house during this pandemic. But it means shaving. It means showering, brushing your teeth, doing all the little things you do to ensure you look your best. And that also means grooming correctly, ensuring you have the right equipment to shave whatever it is you need to shave properly so that you are prepared for whatever happens when you are out and about. And that is where our friends at Manscaped come in. They offer the best in the world, in the business, in men's below-the-waist grooming equipment, precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and perhaps most impressively, they just launched their fourth-generation trimmer. You heard me right. Trimming 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, they were good, but the Lawnmower 4.0, they have nailed trimming technology. You can join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer we have for you. You can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. Again, we're all going out. And guess what? Given we've all been in our houses for this past year, socializing, that's something we're all excited to do. I think the standards for all of us have been lowered over these past year. We just want to get out. We just want to make friends. Again, ensure you're not going to get embarrassed. Ensure you look your best. Take care of all the things you need to take care of. Manscaped.com. The promo code is new balls, please. With that in mind, it feels weird to be like, well, we only have two matches left to talk about, but we only have two matches left to talk about. And those are tomorrow's two men's semifinal matches. Again, it should be two very, very fun affairs. It's going to be Novak Djokovic taking on Denis Shapovalov. It is going to be Matteo Berrettini taking on Hubi Hercats. I did a long segment on Hercats and Berrettini on today's GSP Ace of the Day. I don't want to repeat myself too frequently, but I expect that match to be a, a you know a multiple you know three uh, more than three set affair. I guess is the way of saying it. I think Hercats is going to have success on serve. I think every time Berrettini floats a slice, Hercats is moving forward, taking that ball out of the air, just forcing Berrettini to hit something on the run, not allow him to set his feet, be the aggressor, not play on Berrettini's serve and Berrettini's terms. Excuse me. That said. Berrettini's serve is the elite of the elite. Top three server, one of three guys over 90% in terms of hold percentage. That is the best of the best in tennis history uh, in terms of the analytics, and that reflects what you see with your eyes. When he hits the serve and he's able to set his feet on a first forehand, Matteo Berrettini wins the point. And Hubi Hercats hits a lot of slices, and I think the problem when you hit slices and he blocks returns as well, and he does that really well, and against 99% of players, that's a really good thing, but... The problem is when you do that, you give Berrettini time, and he's quick enough, efficient enough with his footwork that I think he's going to find a lot of forehands in this match. And while Hercats, you know, he's better than his 24th hold percentage on Tennis Abstract's uh, leaderboard would suggest, and, you know, he's winning over 80% of his first serve points in this event. He's clearly landed it well. It's what earned him the win over Federer. I just think... I think this is where the, the the overwhelming aggressiveness, the strength of Berrettini over the course of five set wins out. I think Hercats' aggressiveness is more creative-based, and I think he hopes you give him some pace to work with. And certainly Berrettini is going to give him pace, but it's relentless pace, and it's not – it's not – I don't want to say superfluous. That's not word. Uh, that's not the right word. It's not – you know, it's not – it's not – I don't want to say wandering power. It's not unassigned power. It's not – you know, just raw power. It's very directed and disciplined power. And uh, 
and I just I think it overwhelms Hubi over the course of four sets. But I do think again Berrettini wins that match. I gave all the advanced metrics. I'll repeat them very very quickly here because I gave them all in the GSP Ace of the day. Berrettini thirty nine and eleven in his last fifty two. Seventeen and eight against the top fifty. Five and five against the top twenty. One and four against the top ten. Twenty six and six in his career on grass courts into the second Grand Slam semifinal of his career. But he and Djokovic have made multiple. Uh, he Djokovic Medvedev and Zverev excuse me, the only players to make round of 16s at all three slams. And then you look for him one and one in his career against Hercots, both guys' numbers on serve, pretty constant across the two matchups. Both of them were on hard courts, both of them straight set victories respectfully for each player. You look for Hubi Hercots. He now 27 and 19 in his last 52. He is 7 and 4 against the top, uh, excuse me, 12 and 10 against the top 50, 7 and 4 against the top 20, 4 and 1 against the top 10. He is 11 and 8 now in his career on grass, but third round for him, Wimbledon 2019, follows up by semifinals here. I think we all agree this is a surface with his game style, his uh, physical profile he can have a lot of success on in his career and then look first round of 16 first quarterfinal first semifinal at the slams but it comes off of him winning a Miami Masters title so nice to see him back that up as well it should be a really really fun match and again the big serving the power tennis the aggression the willingness to get to the net expect to see all of that from Hubi in this one, but I just think the power tennis of Berrettini wins out in the end, so give me Matteo to advance in four. In terms of your other matchup, Djokovic, Shapovalov, look, what am I going to tell you about Novak Djokovic that you don't already know? 30 what now? I think he's in his last 52 weeks, let's see, or 55 and 8 in his last 52, 32 and 3 now in his in 2021 Guy's ridiculous. Top 15 in both hold and break percentage. You look for him in terms of his numbers this year versus his career numbers. It's a joke to say his hold per, or to say he's winning a higher percentage of first serves than he was earlier in his career. He's making more of his first serves. His ace percentage is at a career high. He's winning more return points than he would in his career ever. I think he's got the highest number. Uh, no, second highest number of his career, 43.9. But his break percentage, 36%, second highest of his career as well. And, you know, again, we saw it at the French Open. He can still flash his best, absolute best peak performance when needed. He hasn't needed to yet in this tournament. He's yet to drop a set. He's earned wins over Draper. Or he dropped one set, excuse me, first set of the tournament against Draper. He's yet to drop a set since. Wins over Draper, Anderson, Kudla, Garin, Fucevic. He's got Shapovalov now. You look for him in his career. I believe he's 6-0 and against Denis Shapovalov. He's only dropped two sets in those matches, one of them ATP Cup 2020, the other Australian Open 2019. I mean, he's been the prohibitive favorite to win this event since the calendar, since we knew there was going to be a Wimbledon in 2021, but there's nothing he's done here in this event to suggest otherwise, and you know, he hasn't even flashed his best stuff yet. He was up 5-love in that first set with Fucevic. Started messing around 5-3, ends up holding, putting the set away. The matches on Djokovic's racket always. His flexibility, I don't, his flexibility is serve, his ability to change direction, his return, everything. He's Novak freaking Djokovic. You guys know the deal. But look, when you play Novak Djokovic, you need to have weapons. You need to be fearless. You need to have borderline hubris and just some cockiness and be like, F*** it, I'm going down swinging. And that's Denis Shapovalov for you. He absolutely has that quality to his game, the ability to, you know, go down swinging and the sort of power to make anyone uncomfortable and, you know, a quick enough 
enough first step and you know a, a willingness to go big in the outer thirds be unpredictable go after that first serve he's got the gumption to do it there's no denying that and you know again he's dropped what i think two uh, three sets maybe in this tournament though so far you look for Shapovalov yeah uh, excuse me two five set matches for me beats Cole Schreiber in five, doesn't have to play a second round, straight sets over Murray and Bautista Gut, then the five-set win over Hatchinov in the quarterfinals, first Grand Slam semifinal for him, certainly that stage, there are some nerves, but you're playing with house money, and you can go down swinging when you're playing Novak Djokovic, because certainly uh, you are not expected to win that match, and you look for Shapovalov, you know, 35 and 21, his last 52 he is 13 and 15 against top 50 that's interesting three and seven against top 20 two and four against top 10 you look for him now 16 and 13 in his career in grass uh on grass courts you look at the numbers for him his hold percentage new career high this year 88 percent uh that is borderline elite right he is a top 10 server right now in the men's game break percentage 20.4 percent that's above his career average so it's improving um he has gotten better as a returner putting more returns in the court and again his hands are so quick but Sometimes he goes for such a big cut and that ball just doesn't land in the court. Now, again, career highs for him in first serve percentage one, career high for him in serving points one overall. You'd like to see that first serve percentage improve. He's averaged a 58% for his uh, season. That number's got to be in the 60 to 65 range. I think he's got to hit 65 probably if he wants to upset Djokovic tomorrow and just, you know, again, swing freely. Go for your shots. What's the worst that can happen? You lose. It's like, well, if you play tentative, you're going to lose anyways. And I don't think Denis Shapovalov ever needs to be told, hey, swing freely. Go for it. But he has the green light tomorrow. And so at a minimum, it's going to be fun to see what he throws at Djokovic. Going to be fun to see him on that stage. But, you know, again, overall, two very different matches. Should be a really, really fun day as we round out this 2021 Wimbledon. And again, if you've missed anything, from the fortnight, you can catch up on it all on our website, crackrackets.com. You need the more immediate updates Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at crackrackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, for the <laughs> of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out, as well, to our friends at Tennis Point. Remember, tennis point.com. The promo code is CR15. Of course, manscaped.com. The promo code is New Balls please. But with that in mind, for our super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point and Manscaped, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. 